0: Startup Sherpa presents Fantastic Failures, the podcast where you learn from others' startup mistakes. You're listening to Episode 1 of Fantastic Failures with the founders of Startup Sherpa, Hugo and Dan. This week's episode, Creating an Airline for Skiers. I'm going to go Couldn't tag I'll design. in Yeah uh, So <laughs> Yeah This is It's kind of weird Hugo um, We're doing a podcast Where I'm kind of Interviewing you You are But it's kind of odd really So Because we've known each other For donkey's years so We have indeed I'm also saying It's a pleasure for everyone That's listening to this Because we do have faces Very much designed for radio uh, And Most especially <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much <laughs> And it's kind of a weird one because you came out with a great title for this first one, which was something around skiing. It is. I think it was uh, an airline for skiers. An, air, an airline for skiers. Uh, also, we normally have lovely conversations about skiing. We're not making mention of the fact that we can't do any skiing at all. No, that is going to completely suck this season. It is. But where's the next trip going to be? Not that we're planning it, but where's your next trip? I really, really want to go to
1: Japan. Northern Japan, the powder's absolutely sensational. That Siberian powder, that is definitely... I think if we haven't spent any money, because usually I'm obviously bankrupting myself (laughs) for skiing each year, I think I can bankrupt myself with one trip next year
0: and then just make the most of it. Absolutely. How about you? Me, I think, do you know what? I'm going to go back. We had a great time last year. Went to see some friends out in Boston. and I think we're just going to do the same again. Purely because skiing in Europe is a nightmare because everything is too... It's like our car parks, right? So everything's too small. Yep. We don't fit in. American Peace are just beautiful. So I want to go back there. And maybe it's just because I want to go see my friends again. But that's the plan. Go back out to Boston. Go up north a bit. Go and have a giggle.
1: Nice. Well, it's going to
0: happen. Whistler is the other option, of course. Whistler's always a great one. Yeah. It takes me back. takes me way, way back. So talking about taking way, way back... Starting on that this is the airline for skiers. Yeah. What on earth are you on about? So where did this all kick off? Good good question. So this all kicked off
1: at a dinner party we have with our friends uh where we actually just have a sunday roast together. And I I got a bit annoyed because That's really unlike. I know it's unlike me. I know it's unlike me. But British Airways basically put the half tie uh, half term ski prices for the flights to Geneva up ludicrously, right? Their algorithms for kind of pricing because it's peak demand just sent it skyrocketing. And I said, Surely it'd be cheaper to all just chip in on a private jet. So obviously we'd had a little bit of red wine with the lamp. And uh, my friend Phil dared me to put a message out on our local parents network to say, does anyone want to chip in on a private jet to go to the Alps this half term? Turns out they
0: did. So I'm guessing, just stopping you there, I'm guessing when you were dared to do this thing... Yeah, obviously. You, I you had a lot of reservations, right? You spent days agonizing over it. Days. Just like you. Days Hugo, measured yeah. in
1: milliseconds. <laughs> yeah. Boom. It was actually Phil who pressed the button, to be fair. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. He, he was even more eager than I was. But yeah, that was idea, out-tested with customers, three seconds max. And I think that's the thing, right, is that the reason you go on these adventures is because if you just start, you uh, find out that you go all sorts of crazy places. And this was certainly one of those crazy places to go. And you had,
0: uh, so you, you flung something out that night literally on social media. a question. Just right? a question.
1: Question, local parents network, who wants to chip in on a private jet
0: to the Alps? And what did what did you get? Did you get something back? A huge response of hells yeah. And, and this was not you looking at responses and doubling up on the vision because you had too much wine? No, genuinely loads of responses. genuinely
1: loads and loads of responses. So I was like, hang on, there's definitely enough people here to fill the private jet. And um, kind of the idea was, right, is that a private jet's super expensive and you can't kind of usually go for it. But if everyone's chipping in, then surely it's going to come down, be a bit of a comparable price to
0: what BA were charging. Mm. So you had, what did you have at that point? This was just that night. Excited people around a dinner table. Yep. Something stuck out on social media. You got responses. Yeah. Oh, I had the trigger, like BA whacking their prices through the roof. Yeah. And I tell you what, we feel that pain. I'm sure a lot of people will feel that pain as well. God love them. So who knows, yeah. that might change. Uh, so what happened then? So you flung it out. What You woke up the next morning. Woke up the next morning went, wow, there's a lot of people interested in this. Better
1: start seeing if I can sell some tickets, right? Because as we know, first thing to do is see whether or not people are just chatting the chat or actually going to put their money where their mouth is. You don't have an idea that it's actually going to turn into a business
0: unless you've actually tested it out. And that's it. Just inter- on, that, yeah, on that point, how did you feel, right? So because something you've just mentioned there is... The concept the idea which goes against what we all learn right so all that all the time we've we've been reminiscing about university days right earlier on um but you know we're taught there's a one way that you do things right you have something one thing and you spend months and months figuring out how you're going to do it and then suddenly you come along and say something like test it out first right so sell something you haven't even got anything that's weird and people it, will find it. It is weird. Old, right? It does cause
1: some issues as well, right? So when I created a landing page, I mean, you know, just using Unbounce, I think I used mm-hmm. uh take one of their templates. I used a tool called Canva to create a nice little logo. I called it Harpenden Air because where we lived was Harpenden, <laughs> right? So the local airline for the village. And um, so I'd kind of spent, what, maybe 25 minutes on the logo, spent about 25 minutes putting it into the template and started selling tickets. I actually did treat myself to the domain because I was a bit excited. So that was 12 quid that I invested, which I shouldn't really have done. It was pushing the boat out. You're bit. still
0: beating yourself up about that 12 quid, yeah?
1: I mean, it's an unnecessary expense, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I definitely should have like held back on that. Um, but I did start selling seats. So people were actually putting their money where their mouth was, which is obviously the next step. So much so that it seemed to annoy some people in the industry who reported me to the CIA, uh, Civil Aviation Authority. Wonderful. So I got a cease and desist letter from the Civil Aviation
0: Authority. So you got, so you got a cease and desist. So hang on, you go and sell sell some tickets yep. to people thinking that this thing feels very real. Yep. And then someone reports you for it. Yep. And you get a letter that's going to tell you off. That's so, right.
1: But what I said to them is, surely you're responsible for air travel. I'm selling tickets. If anyone needs to tell me off, it should be the advertising standards industry, right? Because actually you don't regulate this potential of a flight in the future. You regulate me having an aircraft. So that confused them a little bit because they weren't <laughs> expecting a, what are you talking about? You can't say no. Um, so, we cre- so we carried on. Um, we carried on actually mainly because um, got picked up by the FT. So I actually made it onto the front page of the FT with this one.
0: Now, and I I will never forget that day, Hugo, so this yeah, is... I was very is, excited. My <laughs> mum
1: was more excited.
0: <laughs> and I was excited. Uh, I was in, in those days, a corporate job. You were. Where things didn't get much. It's where we met each other anyway, yeah. so... Uh, and things don't get hugely exciting in corporate. You don't want things to get exciting in corporate. But that morning, I will never forget, because I worked for a company deeply involved with the Financial Times. In fact, it owns them. Yep. And I remember walking into the Financial Times office and seeing the front cover of the paper and getting you messaging me. Yep. And somehow you managed to do, in the space of how long? How long was it before you had that dinner party? Oh, that was a week. So within one week, you're on the front cover of the
1: Financial Times. That's right. And... Fidel Castro, bless him, died the the next day. So if he died a day earlier, I think I'd have been back page news. But <laughs> well, that's part of the adventure, right? Is getting the timing
0: right is critical to any success. And you had nothing to do with Fidel Castro's death, no? I can confirm Good. for sure I did not. Just checking, just yeah. checking. So, so that this it's pretty amazing. And I was amazed. I mean, I I've got to admit when I read it and I saw it, and then I saw your message. And if I hadn't seen the paper first, I would have thought. No, this is just Hugo yeah. just spinning it, me a yarn. It was, it was crazy. It was super, super crazy. And the thing is, it drives
1: momentum, right? As soon as people see that kind of buy-in from sort of a, a publication mm. like the FT that is so prestigious, mm. you know, inbound messages from all sorts of people. So you know, as soon as that happened, I started having conversations with the private jet companies to mm. start to make it real. And um, one of my friends actually introduced me to the CFO of Monarch Airlines to go and kind of talk about the the financials, and you know started on the roller coaster of right. How do I actually take this kind of potential of these flights
0: and turn it into Harpen and Air being an actual airline? And how so? You, you know, just picking the phone up to my. How ready were they, Monarch, just to have a chat with you? You said you spoke to their CFO. Did I mean that was through a personal introduction?
1: But we okay. went and spent three hours in the the local pub. Uh, kind of a couple of days later um, and and that was you know an absolute education on the airline industry so I mean my proposition was that if you take a private jet it's not actually about the jet as much as the airport experience right so anyone with kids knows that if you try and take your kids through an airport or half turn to go skiing it's the worst experience in the world you love it because you're going to get some hopeful powder when you get to the mountains but until that point it's just hellish. So we thought, actually, if you get picked up from your house, driven to the private uh, terminal and get delivered first thing in Geneva so that you can get your transfer there before anyone else. Happy days. It's the yeah. perfect experience. Turns out that you and everyone else in the world want to arrive at that time. And actually, the, in the airline industry, it's not the planes that's the problem. It's the actual landing the planes in a place on Earth that's the problem. And that's pretty heavily controlled it turns out so if you're a solo entrepreneur like myself who's just created an airline in a week you don't have the network or influence in the industry to necessarily land your plane at geneva airport at that particular time and this is actually where the economics got into it i mean the the three-hour conversation in the pub was just amazing mm-hmm. right basically got unpacked as how hard it is to actually create and not even create but run an airline mm-hmm. and obviously monarch has now Gone bust. Mm. So he was experiencing firsthand at that time the reality of how hard it is to uh, to create an airline. And we had all sorts of crazy conversations about whether or not you can use um, a, a um, the planes that land on water mm. to kind of land on the river and actually do kind of river to river plane transport. And uh, eventually, kind of came away from that conversation both buzzing of this really deep understanding of a new industry that I didn't understand. I'm being petrified that I may have just set myself up for for something
0: that was going to be a bit too much yeah. for me to handle. And I think it's it's what, what I find kind of interesting because you've jumped in. And I, and I know for you, that's where a bulk of your, your time was spent looking at that. And that's when your brain started to agonize over the challenges. Yeah. But what's interesting is I remember the first conversation we had about it. Not the one that just said, I'm on the front of the FT. But this was the one where you were just saying, Dan, actually, you don't know much about this. I'll tell you about it. And, and I remember the way that you phrased it. You took me back, as you always do, because you love telling stories. And we can't ever have a normal conversation no, without I'm you sure. going, think about.
1: Yeah. So,
0: and I remember you said to me, just think back to the last time you went on a skiing trip. Tell me what the experience was like. But you got me to focus on the journey there. Yep. to the airport and then from the airport to the resort and then, again, coming back the other way. And it made me realise it was it got me angry, actually. You made me properly angry. I can do that. You I'm can do that, that. Yep. and you do have that ability. But you mapped out that little journey that we go through literally step by step and the yep. amount of time that we wasted on it as well. But then the hitter for me also was talking about the price. So, you know, actually, for what you spend are you really getting an experience that you love? And that for me was the real hook, right? Yeah, totally. And and it clearly was for other people. And it, it was sort of after you did that, and you got that interest it got me hooked I mean I was in I was definitely I mean to be
1: honest all around London there were people calling me wanting me to like set up Harpenden Air in Surrey you know kind of like down to the south coast there were people calling me from Cornwall kind of Mm. wanting to have like a little shuttle service from London to Cornwall and suddenly you kind of see that actually yeah the way that people experience air travel is absolutely the problem Mm. I think that the, the the ability to identify that problem was easy because it was a problem I faced myself yeah right and so as entrepreneurs when we see those problems firsthand you know I've been in the airport with my family I've been in that stressed position um, and when I saw that price tag on the flights I was just like no those, those things don't add up plus I knew I was gonna bankrupt myself if I actually took the plane with my family as many times as I wanted to go skiing <laughs> um, and I think that 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 did really capture people's imagination mm. you know as soon as that also got amplified mm. Then, it, it, you know, I still get calls from people wanting to know whether I can get them a private jet. And I'm like,
0: no, I see, no, no, I totally can't. <laughs> it's the power that the FT had, right? Yep. The FT as well, that was purely, you got that, of course, because the idea, the concept was really interesting. But going back to that first moment when you started just to share. And again, it wasn't sharing the absolute idea. It was sort of sharing the problem you got people hooked in and it was someone in that Harpender network wasn't it that was involved it with was the FT, yeah one of the journalists at the in, FT right? yeah totally so it just shows you every moment I mean you you do this beautifully anyway but right, any moment I'm going to run I'll be back do you know what we keep real I'm going to keep monologuing Simon so uh, no we're not at all we're going to come back but uh, Hugo's had to run out because we're properly real he's got to go and do a meeting so we're going to have a coffee and we're going to love you and leave you for the moment yeah <laughs> is he back from his meeting yet? I am. Oh he's back from his meeting. it went
1: well you'll be pleased to hear. (laughs) There's nothing like a bit of a meeting interlude on a podcast.
0: Just to just to keep your brain fresh right? Exactly. exactly. I've got to admit we weren't jealous when you had to run off and go and do a meeting. I mean that's the entrepreneurial life right
1: is that life goes on you've got to try and fit things around it. It's part of kind of what we actually try and teach
0: people. Absolutely right. Just do it when you have the chance. Correct. And that is, take every opportunity. So I'm going to have to, with my, you know, slightly over 20s, break, okay, over 30, break, okay, right, over, over 40, 40. all yeah. right, over 40, fair enough. With a, with a brain of an over over 40-year-old, I kind of forgot, even though it was just half an hour ago, where we got to, but I think we can, we can backtrack and figure out. We can totally do that. So we were definitely talking about, you were sat in a pub with the CFO of Monarch for three hours... Where you were learning everything about what it takes to operate, an it airport. was
1: a masterclass in the airline industry. And to be honest, if that had happened at the beginning, I'd have I'd have never actually gone and had the adventure, right? Because starting with the kind of desirability, seeing that momentum build with people really interested in actually being able to get on a plane. Really helped to actually drive it forward. That was the momentum builder. I think a lot of people just get so bogged down in that kind of feasibility bit of actually, can we do this? Is it possible? Does it work? They forget actually that that's the second thing to do, right? Does anyone actually want it? Is always the thing that's going to drive the energy to actually get things to move
0: forward. Absolutely, and I, you know, I, I know I'm interviewing you, but I'm just going to say my own stuff as well. But you know, it, it is like I said, right? I think right back at the very beginning. We're taught to do feasibility first. How are you going to do it? Can you do it? And that's where you have to focus. I mean,
1: especially someone like
0: you, who... What did you degree in? Like aeronautics?
1: Avionics engineering. engineering.
0: Okay, yeah. Avionics engineering, a fine degree, I'd like to point out. Without it, Harpenden Air would never have had a chance. Yeah. Because it relies on people like us to make airplanes actually work. Exactly. So, yeah. And for me in particular, and actually it's a really good point, engineers are taught this weirdly though engineers are really good at playing around though yeah and being really experimental yeah, being really creative but the sure. one thing we never learned was the test desirability first forget if you can do this thing as long as you've got a rough gut feel that is good enough at the beginning yeah. and the one thing that i find when you test desirability and i don't know how you found it but it just gives you a boost because- oh yeah, massive. It's a massive buzz,
1: right? People yeah. kind of like, you can see the people kind of coming through with their comments and kind of that momentum building. And it's absolutely, it's an adrenaline rush. You mm. get like really, really super excited. Yeah. And I think that that for me is kind of one of the reasons why I love just taking these ideas and just exploring them, seeing if there's anything there, and then working out afterwards whether or not it's, it's possible. And sure, like, you know, once you started getting into... I was speaking to private jet companies about the actual kind of hiring of jets, getting quotes for jets of different sizes from like 52 seats, kind of the smaller 19 seat jets. Starting to understand which airports with which grading you can land different jets at and kind of working out the actual economics of how many people you can fit on this plane and how um, how much it's going to cost each of those people if you're going to do that. You suddenly realize this idea is going to, it's just not going to work for me. Right. And I think that's really important is that I realized I love skiing. Mm. That was that was why I was doing this, is that I wanted a way to be able to avoid that pain on my trip skiing. If I take a bunch of people on a private jet on their ski holidays over half term, I've got responsibility for all of these families on their annual ski holiday. That is likely to screw up my ski holiday. (laughs) That is not a business that's going to work for me. Right. And that is just a realization that you can create businesses but sometimes you create this monster that
0: starts driving you, and that is actually not what you want to do. Mm. And where did so? You know, did that dawning realization? I mean, kind of, kind of tell us, tell us where it ended up, right? So you, you met the CFO. You've done your desirability. You check people have actually got yeah a, a, a problem that they really think is yeah, acute I'm enough. Sure. Yeah, definitely it was there. So desirability, oh, massive tick. Yeah, and then you stuck something out there saying. Hey, we've got a promise, right? We've got a proposition. We've got something that we think we can offer you. And you got a massive tick against that as well because people were at Well, that was your cease and desist letter, right? That was. Off the back that of that. That was the Civil Aviation Authority <laughs> saying, you can't do this. But then you got to the point when he started talking about how we are going to do it? Yeah. And then you got... And you were very interesting then, Hugo, about landing slots and things like that. <laughs> I mean, I think we'll do a podcast just about that. All Absolutely. Right? So, I mean, it's
1: a fascinating industry, right? The fact it works at all is... Is like a miracle and you realize that first problem is not a business that's going to work for me right the amount of money that i'd make from it for the amount of pain that it would cause me for those kind of times in half term where i was going to go skiing absolutely massive no from a personal level mm-hmm. there was also the fact that i'm some dude who doesn't have any leverage in the industry and that meant that from a feasibility point of view in reality um, i wasn't going to be able to deliver the proposition. I had actually offered people. I could get a different slot, but it would be a a poorer time of day. And that in itself was going to kind of diminish some of the value of it. And I think that that's kind of like, you know, that's an adventure. You get onto the front page of the FT, you meet like, you know, the guys at the private jet companies, you start kind of assessing different private jets. It's all really exciting. But at the end of the day, if you're going to go to the next level and create a business, you need to know that you're going to invest your time, your energy and your life in doing this thing. You make make sure it's right. Make sure you're actually doing something you really believe in. And that is where this one failed, right? It it wasn't that thing. And would you say, you say failed. Love that word, right? Yeah. Would you say failed? I would absolutely say failed. Because for me, failed is a success in itself, right? So what we teach everyone on the Startup Sherpa program is that quitting and deciding actively to make that quitting decision is as good as actually going and finding yourself running a business at the end. And it's fascinating to me how much the startup community talks about this fail fast culture, but really no one embraces it. What they embrace is going rapidly through things. But as soon as it gets to that failure point, it's like, oh, that's horrible. I don't want to do that. I want it to be successful. I want to have all of the things that I planned turn into reality. But for me, this one was a failure and I'm proud of that. Um, Massive ambition to try and start an airline. Creates a great deal of comedy, but it was no way going to actually create a business that was going to be my world. Mm. And it was not going to create the business that could really deliver the promise of that really positive experience of getting to the mountains, right? Because of the timing of the slots. So first of all, it was understanding what leverage you need in your business model to be able to actually get the thing working. Mm. And understanding what you need as an entrepreneur to have a business that actually works for you. So where is that at now? It's dead as an idea,
0: but does it still live a little bit?
1: Of course it still lives a little bit. I mean, so Harpenden Air is still renowned locally. Um, And and the idea of fractional uh, jet usage has taken off in the States, certainly. They're trying to do it in Europe. Um, I still get contacted by the private jet companies kind of wanting to talk about how to do this kind of localized model. And I think that... um, There will be people who probably take this idea forward who are really passionate about transportation kind of solutions really passionate about private jets and will actually want to take that kind of pain of dealing with people's holidays not being on a skiing holiday themselves
0: and hopefully things will actually get rocking again and then we can start using those services right well
1: right because this is the thing is it's a service that i actually want oh i still i want it yeah I mean, ideally, I'd like it at the price of an easy jet. But, you know, that's just kind of like wanting everything in, in one uh, basket. But absolutely making that kind of journey better, for sure, is something that hopefully will fly at some point. See what I did
0: there? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We can put some cheesy drums over the top of that and a crash of for cymbals. Sure. Brilliant. Well, look, Hugo, as always, it's lovely chatting to you. And this was and just, lovely chatting to you, Dan. Just That's just us having a nice little chit chat, right? Absolutely. Uh, and also, what's really good is that we're talking. I like the fact that we're talking about failures, so because again, failures are something that should not be conceived or perceived to be negative at all, one bit. Because actually, you're just learning something, right? So,
1: for sure. Uh, I mean the the fact that you get to go on an adventure, you get to get energy given to you as you go on that adventure and that I now know loads more about the airline industry than I ever knew before.
0: Yeah. And it's going to fill up our conversations for weeks and weeks and months to come. And I look forward to it. I look forward to it too. Until next time. You're a star. (laughs) Speak soon. Bye. You have been listening to Fantastic Failures, presented by Startup Sherpa. Remember, if you want to start up, get yourself a Sherpa. Build a business that works for you with Startup Sherpa and one of our amazing coaches.